this, but today is actually Vision Sunday. And so I'm going to be sharing some things with you uh, about uh, our vision, but also about where we've been, where we're going. Thank you so much, sir. And, uh, you know, some things. And so I, I believe that it's important. I believe that, that vision is ultimately important. You know, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen tells us that without vision, the Amplified says, if people can't see what God is doing, they said if they don't have a redemptive idea or, or, or see the picture of what God is doing, they're going to run all over the place. They're going to go wild. And, uh, and so I believe that it's important that we know our vision, but also why we're here and what God wants us to do. Why? Because if we have vision, we have purpose. We have clear purpose, and it's a lot better for us to all be pulling in the same direction than for us to all be pulling in different directions. A lot more is going to get done with a lot less effort, and uh, that's what the Bible tells us, that, man, when we come together and there's unity, that a lot more can be produced. And so, uh, you know, really, uh, a vision Sunday is this. It's really threefold. Number one, it's to keep our vision before us, to keep it clear so that we all are on the same page. So I'm going to share with you about our vision. What is it? You know, and talk about it just for a moment. Uh, but I also know that it, it's a time for us to look back, especially at 2019. I'm going to share some things with you that uh, transpired over this last year, but also uh, what we're looking into and, and what we're leading into for this year. Uh, at least some things, not in full picture, but some of the things that are kind of high on the radar, if you will. And uh, so, that's what's going on this morning, and so I'm going to be sharing with you these kind of these three main things, if you will, But because uh, I think it's important that you do more than just come to church. I think it's, you ought to know what's happening. You ought to know what's going on, and you need to have a clear picture of what God is using us to do and, uh, and who God is calling us to be. And so, uh, you know, hopefully you have heard this, but if not, I'm going to tell you what our vision is, and it's pretty simple. And, uh, but we exist, this is the way I say it, is that we exist for this. In other words, this is why we unlocked the doors this morning. It's why we turned on the lights. It's why we gathered together. This is why we exist. It's so that what? So that people can know God. And that includes you, but also people that aren't here yet. Is that we exist so that people can know God. We, the second part of that is that what? We want people to find real freedom. I mean, like, how many of you know that people are really hurting and the problem is most people don't have an answer. And the answer to finding freedom is you gotta know God. And if you don't know God, you can't really find freedom. You can't really find peace. You can't really find solutions to the problems that life will bring up before us. And so it's important. Part of finding freedom is settling our past and, and allowing God to heal those places of our, of our wounds and our hurts and our past and all of those things. And guess what? God wants to. That is God's desire, is that what, that, you know, and that's really what the word even redeemed actually means. It means to be brought back to the original intent. See, when we got saved, it wasn't just that we got forgiven of our sins. No, God actually wanted to bring us all the way back to the, where he originally intended for us to live, which is in a place where we don't, we're not bound by even the thoughts of, hey, I am sinful, that that's not our first knee-jerk reaction, is that, no, I've been redeemed, I, I, I've been made new in Christ. That old things have been passed away. They've been put away. Why? So that I could walk in newness of life. And that's what finding freedom is really all about. And let me just help everybody. Every single one of us need freedom in some area of our life. No one has discovered the ultimate place of freedom. So you can say, well, that one doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Why, and this is what I would tell you, especially the longer that you've lived with the Lord, 
if you're not finding freedom, you're actually not knowing God more. Those two are, are very connected. Because when we find freedom, guess what? We get to experience more of who God is. We get to understand more of what he's doing in our life, and it draws us closer to him. Why? Because those pains and those hurts of the past actually become a barrier to our walk and our, and our fellowship with the Lord. And so God wants to bring healing into our life, and that's why it's very important. We don't want to just get people saved and say, well, see you in heaven. No, I believe that Jesus died so that, what, we could experience heaven on earth. I mean, you know, you go to a funeral or something like that, and they're like, oh, well, they're in a better place, and there's no pain, there's no sorrow. That is true. But I also don't believe that we have to live in sorrow right now. Jesus paid the price for us to be whole and to be well. Doesn't mean that we won't have sorrow. Doesn't mean that we, you know, I remember something that I heard somebody saying a number of years ago, and it really struck me, and they were talking about dealing with church peoples. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody in church? Nobody? Dang. I've been hurt by a few folks in church, you know. And, uh, but he was talking about that, and he made this statement, and, it just, and he said that he was praying and kind of asking the Lord to kill him. You know, he's like, Lord, I, you just need to take them out. And um, he said that the Lord spoke to him and just said, I never said that you wouldn't get hurt. I just promised I would heal you every time. See, and for some of us, we may have pains and hurts, and there may be things holding us up because of negative past experiences, maybe in the church, maybe outside of the church, but God wants to heal those areas of our life. And so that's one of the reasons that we, what, believe in groups, because that's where you can really build relationships. I believe in the preaching of the Word of God, absolutely, but I also believe in the power of relationships. It is one of our core values. We have seven core values, and one of those is relationships. Why? Because we believe that we are better together. We are, and we're stronger together, and so it's so important. And so a massive part of finding freedom is getting into relationship with other believers. Why? Because nobody can call me out quite like my wife. Why? Because she knows me. And she'd be like, what'd you just say? Why are you acting like that? You know, but that's the power of relationship. And look, and I have friends who do that. I mean, I need lots of help, so God's got people all around me, you know. And, uh, you know, got my wife, I got some friends, and, you know, when they all start saying the same thing, I'm like, maybe I should start paying attention to what they're talking about. And that's the power of relationships. And so it's, it's so important, you know, and we even have groups that are launching next Sunday. You can actually get on the website, you can see all the groups, you can get on the new Church Center app, it's all on there. It's important to be in a group, and it's not just about being in a group, it's about belonging in a place, it's about having that relationship. It's about having those connections. And so this is why this matters. You know, we just dismiss people to discover. Why? Because we want to help you discover your God-given purpose. You know, I've shared this before, this phrase is that God didn't just save us from something. He saved us for something. Is that we have a redemptive calling. Jesus died for you to be something. And you, you are hardwired. God has gifted you in certain things. And it's important that you figure out what that is. And it doesn't mean that, well, that's all I ever am. No, the Bible's very clear. If you're faithful with what you have, what happens? Increase. So it's not like, well, I'm just getting pigeonholed into this thing and that's just all I'm ever gonna be. Says who? I mean, I've done all kinds of things in the church. I mean, you name it. I've probably been there. I tried kids ministry. I'm horrible at it. 
I, my wife can attest. Four weeks then, it was horrible. But you know what? We did, we did youth ministry for almost 10 years. I ran sound and, and lighting and media, and I did all that stuff for years and years and years. I actually started in church setting up chairs every Wednesday night. That was the first thing I ever did in the church. Somebody needed to set up the chairs, and somebody asked me to do it, and I said, okay. I wasn't, by the way, I wasn't even saved yet. I was raised in church, but it was about two years before I actually got, so I was actually serving in the church before I was even saved. You're like, well, what does, what does chairs have to do with what you do today? Everything. Everything. I mean, there, there were lots of times that, that God used my gifts in random different ways, and, and yet the whole time, and this is what I found. If I would use my gifts, God started talking to me. And it was amazing. And I still see that to this day, that when I use my gifts for God's glory, he begins to talk to me even while I'm using my gifts. And that's not unique to me. He wants to talk to every one of us, but, hey, if we're just kind of in neutral you may find it hard to hear from the Lord. If you'll apply your hand to something, I believe God will start speaking to you. Why? Because now you've attached your faith and, uh, that God wants to use you because I believe that God wants to use every single one of us. Is that everybody has value. God doesn't have extras. He doesn't have, oops, <laughs> don't know what I'm gonna do with that one. No, I believe that every one of you have a purpose. And so that is part of our vision. Part of our desire is to help you discover what your purpose is. And once you know those things, I believe that you can make a difference. Now, you don't have to be completely free to start making a difference. You can make a difference today. I think Now, I think if you find freedom, I think you can make more of a difference. I think you can help more people. I think if you discover your purpose, you, you have some idea of where you can make a difference. Not that it's only in that. But that is God's desire, is that it, it's really that simple. God wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to, to find out why he created you, discovering that purpose. Why? Because there is a world who desperately needs Jesus, and we are his representative. The Bible says in Colossians that we are the visible image of an invisible God. Some people will never see or experience Jesus, but they will see us and they will experience us. So the question is, is what experience are they getting? Because we want to be what? We want to be light in a dark place, which is why we're doing like the Mardi Gras float. We're going, I mean, I'm kind of picking a fight with the devil a little bit. And I'm okay with that. I would rather be offensive than defensive. So I'm just going right into the place where everybody says, you ain't supposed to be there. And I said, said who? Because Jesus died for them just like he did for us. You know, I, I was so appreciative last week. I had somebody walk up to me after service, and they said, if only one person came to Christ because of that, that float, it's, it's worth everything. And that's absolutely true. Now, I believe it's going to have a greater effect than that, but because, I mean, one of the things we're doing is we're getting those little wristband things, you know what I'm talking about? And it says on there, it has our church name, but it says, God loves you. And I believe somebody's going to put that thing on their wrist, and at their moment of need, they're going to look down and see that thing, and I don't care if they know who gave it to them. The fact that they have that moment where it says God loves you, it'll trigger something in their heart. And guess what? They're worth it. They're worth the effort. They're worth the money. They're worth it all. Why? Because what Jesus has done for us cannot be bought. And you cannot put a price tag on it. And I think it's good for us as the church to get outside of our four walls to go do some things. 
And I believe that God, I believe that it honors God. And so that's just one area, one moment that we get to make a difference. But I believe that we can make a difference all the time in, in many other ways, at your job, in your neighborhood, with your family. I'm going to share some things with you here uh, towards the end of the message about how we can do this. And, and so, but this is really the vision of the house. It's why we exist. It's why we do what we do. And so every week, this is what we're praying. This is what we're believing for. And so I want to share some things with you uh, from last year, just a little bit of a recap, but I want to celebrate some things because how many of you think we, it's okay to celebrate some stuff in church? You know, I, I think sometimes is that, and I can be bad about this because this is not my natural tendency. I'm a drive, focus guy, like celebrate, we'll do that later. That's why I like doing Vision Sunday because it makes me stop and think about what did God do this last year? And we ought to celebrate that. And it's a good thing. Why? Because if we're reminded of what God has done, we're also reminded of what God will do. And so I wanna share some things with you uh, here in the next couple moments about really some things that transpired. Some of it you'll know, some of it you, you won't, and some of it may be new information to some of you. But uh, as many of you know, I'll, I'll start with this one. At the end of 2018, it was right, actually just right after me and Dara uh, moved to Lake Charles, we moved into what we call now as our lobby, a new addition. And, you know, there was some remodeling going on. There's all kinds of things that happened over the span of about three years process in time. Um, you know, and, and so, but I want to give you an update because on that, because uh, where we're at with the project, because I know that it's been a while. I mean, I've never communicated to you in the over year that I've been here about where we're at or what's going on with it. And uh, so for those of you who may not know, um, about three years ago, we started an addition. It's actually where you come in today, that drive through it's about a year and a half old, and, uh, and it's a blessing. And so our new bathrooms that are nice and spacious, guess what? Those were all part of that project. And so our Discover Room, where people right now are going through Discover, was part of that project. We have babies in the nursery who are part of that project. Uh, you know, there may be some mothers with screaming babies right now, or hopefully they're not screaming. Hopefully they're quiet now because they're with mama. But they're in a, a what? They're in a mother's room. And, and so they're able to, to, but we needed space to be able to more effectively do what we're doing. And so we've been taking that on. And so, you know, it is nice. I mean, how many of you enjoyed just having space to fellowship before and after service? You know, I mean, I, I'd been here a few times before it was open and yeah, it's a little tight, you know, a little bit like a sardine can sometimes like, excuse me, excuse me, you know, but now we've got space and people are hanging out. You actually come early and get some coffee and hang out after service. And that's awesome because we need fellowship. We need that relationship. And so really the addition is, is enabling us to do that. We use those, those rooms and those classrooms for meetings and for small groups. And there's all kinds of things that have been happening uh, over this last year because we have some space. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, it's supposed to be raining later today, but how many of you enjoy driving up underneath that back drive when it's raining? Ladies, do y'all enjoy that? Husbands, if you don't, that's a great hint for you. Like drive your wife when it's raining, drop her off and go park the car. And, uh, you know, she'll love you for it. And, uh, but uh, I want to give you just a quick update where we're at because we did all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, we didn't just build the addition. We repaved the parking lot, man. we We've upgraded all kinds of technology, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so we've been in the midst of doing that. And so, um, but to date, which I say to date, because I'm not sure what else we got to do. Um, I don't know of much. And Kyle says, please, not anything else. And, uh, but, uh, but to date, I want to give you an idea. We spent just, or we've invested, because it really is an investment, just under $1.1 million. How many agree that's a lot of money? 
That's a lot of money. We're just under that. For those of you that really care and you're a numbers person, I'll give you the exact number. It's $1,089,434.91. That's the exact amount that we've spent to date on the addition, on the, on the renovation, and all these things. And so, you know, I mean, there's, it's a lot of money. It is. But it is a huge blessing, and I believe it's an investment into our church. And so that's kind of the bad news. You want me to give you the good news? Let me tell you how much that we actually still have left to pay that off. Because we owe just over half. See, we've never, to my knowledge, I've never asked you to sow any money into that. And I think that there was before I got here. But we've been very diligent, and with the help of Trey and Kyle and, and, and some others, we've been really getting very efficient around the church so that we can pay off this debt. We're all, we're, we're, I mean, we're right at halfway there, which is awesome. Like, I don't know. It may not be a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. And uh, because it, it's a tremendous thing. Why? Because, and I'm going to share some more later with you about this, but uh, because, you know, I actually had somebody call me yesterday. I was coming back from Shreveport, and I was actually, they were in our church there in Arkansas, and they called to tell me, thank you. And they said, because I'd helped them kind of um, get some of their financial things straight. But I, he said, you, you shared something with, it, with me that all, has stuck with me ever since we first sat down. He said, it, and I told him, I said, if you'll get a plan, God can bless your plan. But God can't bless your mess. And he said, man, we got a plan and we started doing some things uh, to get some financial things in order. And he said, and what you said has happened. God has blessed the plan that, we, that we've kind of came, not the plan that I gave him, it was the plan that him and his wife really, you know, I just helped them figure out how to pay their bills a little bit better and do some things. And, uh, you know, but, but I'm going to be sharing with you the plan uh, of what we're going to do to really see this building get paid off because I believe that it's important that we pay it off. Um, you know, there's various reasons, but number one, I believe that it limits our abilities, one of our values is generosity, and I believe that having debt limits our, our, our ability to be generous. And, and so, but again, this is, what I, this is what I've already been praying about and already been praying for concerning this, is that I believe that if we'll get a plan, God's going to bless the plan, but not just bless the plan. I believe God's going to supernaturally do some things, and we're going to see God do something. It's going to be like, that's only, only God would do that. By the way, I, how many of you know who Josh McElwee is in Alexandria? He's been here, he's preached. So a couple, about maybe two years ago, they had a million dollars left in their building and somebody wrote it, wrote it off. A million bucks. Well, hey, the Bible says God's no respecter of person. If somebody wants to write that check, I will happily deposit that check. But God may do it any number of ways and I'm not here to tell God how to do what he does. I'm just here to believe that God will do what he said he would do because I believe that it is the heart of God. And so, you know, and many of you are, are very faithful in your giving, and we are very thankful for that. And because of the money that you have given has enabled us to what? To be able to be good stewards of the money that we have, to see us pay down this, this debt to this point. But I believe that we can do it quicker. And I believe that if we'll have a plan, God will bless that plan. And it's going to give us the ability to do some things that we haven't done. But, uh, so, uh, but since I've already brought up um, money, I, I want to, um, to go ahead and share with you about your generosity from last year. 
Uh, and I'm just going to give you kind of one little picture. But, you know, I talk about it often, but I talk about missions and the missionaries that we support every month and the, the, the uh, ministries that we support, the local outreaches we do. And so last year alone, in 2019, because of your generosity, we were able to sow $62,000, That's a lot of money that we got to sow. And that's because you gave. Now, when you give the money, let me just help you. It ain't your money anymore. It's not my money either. It belongs to the Lord. We're here to steward it. And so I've made this commitment to you that we would do the best that we can to steward all the resources that come into this house. And because you gave this last year, we were able to bless and to be a blessing to the amount of over $60,000 to missionaries and and to projects and all kinds of things that are happening all the time that you guys aren't even aware of. And so when I look at $500,000, I'm like, well, I've already sown more than 10% of that. I say I as in we, the church, have already sown more than 10% of that. Well, the Bible says that you cannot sow that you will not reap. And so I believe that God is going to do something, not just because of what we've done last year, but because that's been the heart of this church for a long time, is that we were going to sow and we were going to be involved with other people, not just ourselves. And so we've been giving, we've been sowing into nations of the world, we've been sowing into our city, we've been doing things like this. Why? Because I believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. I don't just tell it to you and say, you ought to do this. Now, this is a principle that I live by, but it's also a principle that our church lives by, is that we give out of everything that we get. God gets first. We just talked about that for the whole month of January, is that God is first. And because of your generosity, we were able to be a blessing. You know, I just, I I had a, Miss Donna brought me a stack of things this week, probably three or four different uh, ministries and different opportunities that we can be involved with but I can't do those things and I can't be generous from the church unless you are. But the good news is that many of you are. And because you are, we're able to make a difference in other places. Places that many of us, most of us, if some of them, none of us will ever go to. But yet we have a footprint there. We have a, a, a kingdom imprint and an impact in places that we will never go to. But it's because of your generosity. And so I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for, for what you've done. Because it is making a difference. I mean, it's, again, it's part of our vision. You say, well, well man, how do I make a difference? I just, I, I'm just here and these types of things. And if in no other area you're making a difference through your giving. You're making a difference in the world. You're making a difference in our city. You're making a difference in people's lives because of your faithfulness to give. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being faithful in your giving because it is making a tremendous uh, impact. And so, you know, and yes, money's not everything, but it does matter. It does matter. You know, and, and this isn't, I'm not, receiving some special offering at the end of the day or nothing like that, so don't worry. That's not what this is about. But I'm just telling you, it is one of our values, and we want to be even more generous. That's one of the reasons why I believe that we need to get this building taken care of. Why? So that we can be more generous, so we can say yes to more places. We can say yes to more outreaches. We can say yes to more missionaries. There are more people than, than I have the ability to help today that, that I believe that we are to 
to support and to help. And I believe that we will be able to do that. I, I know in my heart that that is what the Lord is calling us to. But it takes all of us doing our part to do that. And so the last thing that I want to share with you about 2019 is, and you hear this, and I've kind of alluded to it a little bit today, but, you know, every week we almost tell you, like, everybody has a next step. How many of you have heard us say that? Whether it's me or an MC or somebody, every week we talk about, hey, you've got a, a spiritual next step. Every one of us do. And, and so, you know, and it's important. It doesn't matter how long you've been around the church. Every one of us can grow. Every one of us have that next step, that next place that we can step into to really experience more of God. And so I want to uh, share with you. Now, I'm going to give you one big number because I'm not going to take time to break it all down. And this is the number between the campus here and the campus in Shreveport as well. And so, but, so this year we tried, and this number is probably fairly accurate, not totally accurate because we were working on getting all of our numbers really nailed down this year. Uh, but total steps taken for this for in 2019. So these, are, these could be anything from salvations to rededications to um, discover to our guests to any number of things. Uh, so, you know, but the total number of steps this last year was 1,865 steps that we could measure. Now, that's 1,865 times that somebody took a step. And those are worth celebrating. And those are worth looking at. And, you know, I... I I mean, that's a guest that you brought. That's a friend that you brought. There, there are people sitting in this room right now who have come to the church in the last year that that was their next step, was just coming to church. And I believe that when we're intentional about it and we're intentional about steps and helping communicate to everybody, not just those who come, but for every single one of us, there is a next step. And we ought to be asking ourselves, what is my next step? Not just somebody else's step, I would ask you to ask yourself that question. What is your next step? What does God have for you to do moving forward? And so, I mean, it, it's awesome to see that people are taking steps forward. Why? Because that means that we're taking ground. I mean, I'm really glad I'm not standing here saying, hey, we took two steps last year. That wouldn't be quite as exciting, but it would be, but it would be meaningful for those two. But we've seen people take steps and steps and steps into what God has for them. And so we believe that it is important. And so I want to, now you can get your little bag out. It's okay to get it out now. I told you not to earlier. But I want to show you some ways, and this ties in with really making a difference. But it's also uh, going to bridge a gap a little bit into what we're doing this year. Now, this card here, and I'm going to spend some time talking about it in a moment. But it's the four more card. It's really an initiative that we have, uh, are doing this year to help invite guests. But I'll get to that one in a minute. But I want to show you some ways that you can help make a difference. Tangible things. Easy things. Um, you know, ways that you can do this. But everybody got these. So these are ways, you know, this is, and I'll, like I said, I'll share more about four more here in a moment. But this little thing here, you can see it. It's a window sticky. It's a sticker you can put on your car. Don't put it on your bumper because I ain't paying for you to repaint your bumper. Put it on your window. It'll come right back off. But you can put this on your car. Why? And you're like, you know, I drive around town. I see people have little stickers on their window. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. You know, I mean, like one of the, in this, I know this seems small, but we put the word church on there. <laughs> Why? Because I don't want people being like, Life United, what's that? <laughs> it's a church. <laughs> like, I know it seems small. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal. But look, you can put that on your car. And guess what? That's part of you, what? Sharing your faith. 
Because you're identifying not just at, with a church, but you're identifying with Christ. Now, I will tell you this. Don't be cutting people off in traffic. Don't be shouting at people. Don't be mean to people. I mean, you, how many of you ever been cut off by somebody with a Jesus fish on the back of their car? Now, you know what I'm talking about. You like, man, you need to go get saved or something. But anyhow, so you can put this on your car. This is a way that you can, what, help make a difference in somebody's life. You're like, would a window sticky really do that? Maybe. But you can stick it on your car. So that's one thing that you can do. Here's another one. You got your little, these little invites to a loan. This is our series coming up. You can, you know, we'll have more of these available at the Information Center, but we have these cards that we print up periodically. And, and really, every time that we print up one of these cards, here's what it's for. It's telling you, hey, this would be a great place for you to invite somebody. We don't print these up for every series. We don't do this for everything. But strategically, we're going to say, hey, this is a great time for you to bring one of your four this year. And so you can take these cards. You can hand them out. You know, I, I was talking to, uh, Sean was telling us the other day, he was at work, and somebody began to ask him about his church. He's like, hey, where do you go to church? And he began, and the guy went to walk off, and Sean was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like, I, he could, I should have invited him right there in that moment. You know, and, and, and look, we have to be mindful of it. It's not that he doesn't want to invite people. No, he does. But man, we got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us recognize those moments, just like what happened with him. It's like the Holy Spirit like, just prompted him, like, hey, pay attention. I, I teed it up for you. Just, there it is. Well, you can do that with these little cards, man, by inviting people, bringing people. You know, I loved what Pastor Sam said a few weeks ago. It's just break it up and bring one a quarter. First three months, bring one person. And so you can do that by taking this little card and handing them out and inviting people. So that's one way. Another way that you can do it is this little card. We've had these for a long time. They're our generosity cards. You can just be a blessing to somebody. Dara was telling me the other day that she was at a particular place getting something, getting something to drink. And so the person in front of her had, had I guess, paid for hers or whatever. And the person behind her order, hers was going to be like $4 and theirs was like $25. So she had a heart check in the line, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but you can take these. And, and look, when I go out to eat places, I'll leave a little bit bigger of a tip and I'll leave this card with it. And all it says is, hey, God loves you. That's all it is. You can do something small. If the Lord puts somebody on your heart, and, you know, like I know we have people who write cards, and that's real. Drop one of these in there. Because really doing something meaningful for somebody means a lot more than just buying a, a Coke for them. Nothing wrong with that. But we want to be a blessing, what, in the name of Jesus. And so this is part of sharing our faith. This is part of us getting outside of our comfort zones and what? And letting people know that, hey, God loves them. It's important. It makes a difference. And you're like, well, what if they think I'm weird? They already think you're weird. It's okay. Like, it's nothing new. They don't, let me say it this way. They don't think you're weird for giving them a generosity card. That's one of my church pet peeves, so I'm not going to get on my soapbox there. But if they think you're weird, it's because you do weird stuff. Okay? All right, I'm going to step off that box, and I'm going to move on. Moving on, moving on. Don't be a weird Christian. Just love Jesus and love people and be normal. And, um, and God can do some supernatural things. And um, so uh, the last one here is this little card, and it's two-sided. But one of the things that you can do is by sharing your faith on social media. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, quite a number of people who actually share our live stream every week. So that's one of the things you can do. We put it up on, on uh, Facebook and on YouTube, and you can share that. You can check in when you come in. I mean, you can actually check in, I think, on the Church Center app, can't you? Is that possible? 
on the Church Center app? Can you do check-in? On Facebook, you can check in and let people know because they may wonder where you go to church. Why you get up every Sunday morning and come to church? And So you can do that. You can share things like when we um, put up the graphics for our series. This pen keeps falling, bugging me. I'm, I'm going to gift that to you, Philip. And, uh, but when we post these little graphics, you can share it and invite people, tag people. Don't be annoying, but you can tag some people in it. And, uh, but you can share your faith. You can comment. You can share it. You can do all these kinds of things. And this is all part of sharing our faith. It's all part of making a difference in the city around us. And I believe if we do what we know to do in the natural, God will do the supernatural, and God will take care of what he needs to take care of, and people are going to be blessed. And I believe that hell is going to be vacated and heaven will get populated. Why? Because we were a little bit intentional about what we're doing. And so all of these things that I've just shown you are really tools that we can use for this four more campaign that I've been sharing with you over the last month or so, uh, really about this year. And so one of the goals that we have for this year is to see 300 visitors come. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but there's, that's more people than are in this room right now. But that is one of our goals for this year is to be intentional, but also to see 300 people come. And so part of this is that we've asked you to what? To invest, which is, an, uh, is to pray, is to ask the Lord, hey, who are some people that you would put on my heart? You're like, well, what if I don't have four? Pray for the two you got. Don't just say, well, I don't have four. Start with one. Just say, Lord, I'm going to pray for this one person, and when they come with me, I'm going to ask you for somebody else. But what you can do is you can fill this card out. You can, this part here, the little perforated part, you can fill out your four names. You can keep that, stick it somewhere that you're going to pray for it. Fill out the card on the back. Somebody asked me, like, why do I have to fill out all my information? You already have it because we want to know it's current. Because when we have series coming up, we might send you an email. We might do something to help remind you, like, hey, we got this thing coming up. And then it also, you write those four people's names on the bottom of this card as well so that we can be praying with you as well. Because I believe that when a few of us pray or a handful of us pray, it's a lot better than just one. It's the power of agreement. But we're believing God to see 300 visitors come through our doors this year. Now, just to give you some context, last year, we had 219 visitors. So it's not like this crazy stretch. It's not like, hey, we had 10 visitors. This year, we're going for 300. <laughs> like, you know, no, we had 219 people visit us last year. And so we just want to, what, apply our faith and to push a little bit to see God come through. And to see God, not because I believe that when they come, I believe that God's going to work. You know, you may invite somebody who won't come to the room, but they might check us out on Facebook. I mean, Facebook and, and, and online is kind of like the new standard. It's like the new front door. This is the, this is the way my verbiage is, is I believe that our website and our streaming is like the front door. You don't leave your good friends at the front door. You say, hey, come on into the living room, right? This is the living room. Our website, so it's the front door, but people can go check out the front door first before they ever come. Why? Because they want to know what you're setting them up for. That's why. And so that's why we've actually made some, some of the investments that we've made as far part of the remodel was to what? To upgrade some of our technical equipment. We have new sound equipment, new live stream equipment. All of that was investments. Why? So that when you invite somebody, they don't go online and go, I ain't coming there. By the way, hello, live stream, if you're joining us today. <laughs> Forgot to do that earlier. Glad you're here. But no, we can take all these things. And so it's more, though, than just inviting is that I believe that if we'll pray and invite, people will come. The Holy Spirit will do the work ahead of time. And then all we have to do is just 
bring them with us. It's not complicated. And so I want to share some thoughts with you here in the next couple of minutes. And so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And I want to get into the word of God with you for a couple of minutes. And just to really share with you um, a th- some thoughts about really why this matters. And because it's more than just numbers. You know, numbers do matter. I mean, you look at your paycheck. My deposit come through. Is it right? Why? Because it matters to you. We're not all about numbers, but we do pay attention to numbers. Why? Because we know if we're effective or not. I mean, God thought so much about numbers, he wrote a whole book called Numbers. If, if you don't think God cares about numbers, go and look throughout Scripture. There weren't 200 people that Jesus fed. There were 5,000. How do we know there were 5,000? Because somebody counted. How do we know that there were five loaves and two fish? Because they counted. You go and look at the tabernacle and the way that it was built in the Old Testament. The Lord was very specific about the dimensions. You go look at the ark. Noah built an ark that he had never, never seen rain, much less a boat. And God said, here's the exact dimensions. So God pays attention to numbers, but it's not because numbers matter, it's because people matter. And every number represents a person. Every person represents a soul that has an eternal destination. And that's why it matters. And so I want to share uh, some scriptures with you. And uh, you may or may not be familiar with this passage of scripture, but it comes out, out of Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Now, I'm going to give you kind of the, a, a little bit of backstory, and then we'll read these scriptures together. But, so this is the story of what's called the madman of Gadara. He was a demon-possessed man that Jesus came up into this area, stepped off the boat, and it says that there met him a man who was beside himself. Like, I know we kind of maybe say, oh, that person's crazy. No, this dude was beside himself crazy. Like, worst of the worst, stay away, like, just put him out there. And so we're going to pick up the story here in verse 26. It says, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, so Jesus just pulls up into this land called the Gadarenes, steps off the boat, and it says, and a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. Now, I want you to catch this. It says, for a long time, he had been homeless and naked. It says, living in the tombs outside of the town. So he was an outcast. Jesus steps off the boat and here meets this man with all these issues. Needless to say, this man needed some freedom. But it goes on, it says, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now this ought to tell you something. This man was demon-possessed, and sometimes in church we can get kind of weirded out when we start talking about the demonic. The demon recognized Jesus and came and bowed and says, why are you here to torment me? We have nothing to be afraid of of the enemy. Why? Because we have the exact same authority that Christ has. So we don't need to run from the devil. I'm not saying I go pick a fight, but if he... If he wants to go, let's roll, you know, I mean, why? Because I know who I am in Christ. I don't need to be afraid of him, and many times I think we have a wrong view of him, but yet here, this man comes and falls down at the feet of Jesus, and the demon speaking through the man says, why are you interfering with me, son of the most high God? That's a powerful moment. And the demon goes on and says, please, I beg you, don't torture me. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. What if we understood who we were, where that if a demon ever appeared or ever made an appearance around us, they're like, hey, just leave me alone. 
Like, I don't want to mess with you. Just leave me alone. That comes because we know who we are in Christ and because we know what we've been given, which is his authority, his name. We were talking about that earlier. It's the name of Jesus, the power in that name. And yet here it goes on. It says, for Jesus had already commanded the spirit to come out of him. So this, this demonic spirit that was afflicting this man is basically trying to barter with Jesus. Well, Jesus don't barter with them. He said, I already commanded you to get out. Now, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of this because I don't, I don't really have enough time to do all that. But after this, it says that this spirit, so it gives us some description about what was happening. It says this spirit had often taken control of this man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. So let me say it this way, is that this man had all the help that he could get that society could offer him. Why? Because they would put him in prison with guards watching him and they couldn't keep him in jail. They would put him with chains and shackles and try to to bind him up to keep him from, from doing crazy things and yet nothing could help him. He just kept breaking out and running out into the wilderness. Now, there's a, now, you can go read this if you want, but basically the demon says, hey, will you just cast us into those pigs? And so Jesus says, fine, they go into the pigs, the pigs run off the cliff and die. Well, it made a, it made a scene, right? It made a scene. It, it, so what happens here in verse 34, it says, when the herdsmen saw it, so they were watching their, their sheep and all of a sudden they sprint off the cliff. And so it says, when they saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding country, spreading the news as they ran. Y'all ain't gonna believe what I just saw. This guy named Jesus got off a boat. This, the madman, the, the demon-possessed man was there and all of a sudden Jesus cast the devil out and all these sheep went running off the cliff. It was crazy. And they are telling everybody about it. And it says, because of this, people rushed out to see what had happened. It said, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. It says, he sat at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Why? Because everything that they had tried to do to help this man had not worked. And so Jesus appears, makes a difference, and people were like, whoa, who is this? Who is Jesus? What is this that you're talking about? It goes on, it says, then those who had, uh, had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed and all the people in the region of the Gazarenes begged Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. Now think about this. I mean, I think our culture is kind of doing this right now. Because society has no answer for people, really. They have band-aids, but they don't have solutions. And that's not to knock anybody, but facts are facts. Society had tried to help this man and couldn't do it. But Jesus did. But society's response was, get away. Like, Jesus, just leave. Like, that, that, that spooks us, that freaks us out. Just get, leave us alone. It says that a great wave of fear had swept over them. That's why they had said that. So Jesus returns to the boat and begins to leave. And it says, crossing to the other side of the lake, it says the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with Jesus. Of course he would. Jesus was the only one who could help him. Why wouldn't he want to go with him? 
But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. So he went through the town proclaiming the great news about what Jesus had done. Now I want to pull out three things real quick here. Because we're more like this demon-possessed man than we think. Now we may not be demon-possessed, we may not have those eels, but there are, there are truths here that we can pull out that are true for us. So here's the first one, is that this man lived among the dead people. The Bible says that he lived out amongst the, the graves, and, and he was, so he lived out in a cemetery. Well, guess what? We live and we operate in a cemetery. It's not a physical one, but there are a lot of people who are spiritually dead around us. They have no clue who Jesus is or what he wants to do, or they have a skewed view of who Jesus is and what he desires to do in their life. And, and so we have this, is that we are living amongst people who have no spiritual life. That's, what, that's the price of sin. It is spiritual death. That's what God told Adam. He said, the day that you eat of the fruit, in dying you will die. It wasn't just a physical death. It was primarily about a spiritual disconnect from God. And so we have people around us all the time who spiritually have no life. And yet, so we need to recognize that people are around us and we have the answer for them. The question is, is will we share it? And this is what it says here about this man. Jesus told him, go back to your family and tell them. Share with them their faith. Talk about what God is, the great things that God had done for him. And the thing is, is that... And, and, and I think that's important is that we should never approach anybody from the standpoint of that we are better than them. No, because we were just like them. And in a moment of time, they can be just like you. They can be just like me. They're one decision away. One moment. And so we should never write anybody off because trust me, a lot of people had written this man off. There's no doubt that a lot of people had written, say, man, this guy's just a hopeless case. There's no way. That, that this guy could be helped. And yet Jesus showed up and Jesus changes everything. Here's the second thing that is true for not just us, but also for the people that we're around. Is that just like this man had no hope, Jesus gave him hope. And the truth is that Jesus was the only hope. The people that we're around, the people that we're talking with, that we're interacting with, Jesus is their only hope. How do you have a better marriage? Get to know Jesus. How do you find peace? Get to know Jesus. How do I find purpose? Get to know Jesus. It always comes, why? Because he's the only one that can truly provide hope. Because we can get hope that's fleeting for a short time, that we'll enjoy things, but hey, those things don't last. The only hope that actually matters is the hope that can only be found in Christ. And that's it. And, and so, you know, and just as it says that Jesus brought this man to the freedom that God wanted for him, but Jesus was the only way. The guards couldn't do it. The shackles couldn't do it. No, they just even bound him more. But yet Jesus would set him free. And so our only hope is in Jesus. In that relationship, it's helping people come to the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge about church, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of who Jesus is. Because a lot of times people can have an understanding of, of church life, but they, they don't really understand what a relationship with God even looks like. Because they've experienced church and they left for a reason. And so even for us, all of us, 
is that we want to make sure that we're not just inviting people to church, we're leading them to Jesus. Because that's more important. And so we can see this here. The third thing that we see, and this ties back into our vision as well, is that Jesus gave him purpose. Why? Because he said, go back and tell them, proclaiming the great things that God did. See, we all need a purpose too. That's why it's important that you discover your God-given purpose. Because if you don't know what your God-given purpose is, you'll go find a different one. But when you know what God is, the opportunities that God has placed in front of you, what he's called you to do, and see, here's what's important, though, about this, because this is true for us today. If you remember from the text that we read, what did they say to Jesus? Sir, you got to leave, right? So, Jesus, we don't want you in our neighborhood. We don't want you in our community. Man, that, that whole thing you did with him scares us. We, it, it raises fear in our hearts. And that's why Jesus turned to him and said, hey, you can't go with me because I need you to go where they won't let me go. See, the truth is, is that you can go where many times people won't allow Jesus to be, but you can be Jesus right in the middle. And that's why God, and so Jesus gave him this purpose. He says, go back to your city, go back to your family. You begin to tell people about what God has done for you. I mean, sharing your faith is very simply that. Go and tell other people what God has done for you. You don't have to add details. You don't have to make some crazy story up. Just talk about what God has done for you. Share your story. And people may not uh, respond in that moment, but sow a seed. You know, the Bible talks about that. Paul said that he would plant, Apollos would water, but God brought about increase. So you plant some seed and just keep watering it. Just keep watering it. They're having a bad day. Hey, can I just pray for you? Don't, hey, can you come to church? Will you come to church? Hey, you're having a bad week, man. It's a great time to come to church. Just, hey, can I just pray for you? Can I just be here for you in this moment? And that begin, I believe, will begin to start, but like this divine curiosity. Man, something was different when you prayed for me. I had other people pray for me, but it didn't feel like that. Like when you prayed, it sounded like you meant it, like you believed what you were praying. Absolutely, I do. Why? Because that's the world that we're called into. Some of you are called into the plants because that's where you work. Some of you are called into the schools because that's where you work. Some of you are called into the medical field. Some of you are called into different arenas of life. Why? Because God needs you there. He needs you to make a difference there. He needs you to to be that light in a dark place. And really, it's light amongst dead people. When everybody's dead, nobody notices anything different. And they are spiritually. There's no life in a lot of people. But yet they can see the life of God in us. And man, and there's something about it that draws you in. It says, man, I want more of that. What do you have that I don't? Man, you, you face some of the same struggles and the same fears that I do. But man, you handle them so differently than I do. Those are great moments to share your faith. Those are, those are great moments to, to invite people, and just not just to church, but to come and do life together with them. And God wants to use you in these ways. And so we've given you a few tools, a few just practical things in your hand today to help you to do this. So I would encourage you, don't just leave the bag on the seat, take it with you. Look over some of this stuff. 
Why? Because I believe that God wants more people in heaven. I believe there are people in Lake Charles and the surrounding areas that desperately need a touch of God. But they don't have an answer. They don't have a solution and they're looking for one. And yet we have the key. We have to go and tell. We have to go and share. We have to be, be what? Be willing to step out in faith for Jesus. To share our faith with people. Why? Because it's part of how every single one of us can make a difference. And I would just encourage you. You may not be able to invite four people. I would encourage you to. At least set a goal. Say, hey man, I'm, I'm going to start praying for these people. You know, I, I've been around church for a long time and one of the things that kind of, it's just something that I've seen is that like sometimes people will come to a church and I'll get to meet them and talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, I know several people go to church here. I didn't even know they went to church. Let's not be those people. Let's be the people that say, hey, I want you to know what I believe. My faith is not quiet. My faith is not silent. I'm going to what? I'm going to proclaim what God has done for me because I never want to forget. That's one of the, the most powerful things about sharing your story is it reminds you. It reminds me of what God has done for me. And it keeps me in a place of gratitude for all that God has done for me because it never lets me forget. And you may be here today and you say, hey, I don't know about what you're talking about. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus as your Lord. Because that's, that's step one. We were celebrating 1,823 steps or whatever the number was. Your next one's your most important one. And your next step today may be just acknowledging, man, I, I need to get back in right relationship with the Lord.